today we are revisiting a conversation we had with our friend Casey Brown. Casey Brown is the digital engagement strategist for the city of Boston. They are a Boston resident. They also blog at the blog heycaseybrown.com. You can find them on Twitter and Instagram at heycaseybrown. They give us a really vulnerable look into the realities of self-care as a trans person. Everything from being misgendered to people using the wrong pronouns to potentially thorny realities of using a public restroom. They chat with us about skincare and shaving as they've started hormone therapy in the last few years. We learn a ton from Casey about trans people in general and the unique challenges of self-care as a trans person. I hope you'll give it a listen to understand more about the realities of trans people and also to help learn how to be a better ally. Okay, Casey, we are so happy to have you join us. Selfishly, I'm just happy to hear your voice because it's been a while since I've been here. I know, way too long. Um, Well, I am excited for this interview because I feel like it is going to be enlightening for a lot of people. Um, And I hope that it, you know, lends for greater understanding and greater empathy for listeners out there who may, you know, not have experience or not may not have trans friends. But um, tell us a little bit about yourself first. Sure. Uh, I'm... My name is Casey, and I use they, them pronouns. Um, I'm divorced, and I'm a single parent of a nine-year-old, and I live in Boston. Um, I'm formerly an evangelical Christian and got kicked out of the church when I came out as gay, uh, what, 20 years ago or so. Um, yeah, that, that was fun. <laughs> <laughs> So, but the whole world has changed so much in the last 20 years since that happened. Um, and I've watched a lot of those same friends come around about queer issues and then just, you know, make my life more exciting. I came out of trans in my late thirties when the world wasn't really ready for trans people yet. So I feel like I'm reliving the whole thing over again. Yeah. You've had, you basically had two coming outs and I'm sure both were you know, difficult and traumatic in different ways. Casey, would you mind going into the, the they, them for our listeners? Sure. Uh, so I am transgender, but I was assigned, like my parents assigned me female when I was born. Um, everyone is assigned a gender when they're born. And I think that's really important for everyone to think of that it's not just trans people that have pronouns or a gender assignment. Um, everyone has that assignment. It's just that for trans people, it, it doesn't line up right. And, you know, think about all the things that our parents got wrong when we were born um, or at the beginning of our journey with our parents, depending on how our family was created. You know, a lot of that is wrong, right? And so... I like to remind people of that, that that's not just unique to the trans experience. Um, but I personally identify as neither male nor female. So they pronouns are neither uh, male nor female. And I also use neutral words. So like I identify as a parent, not a mom, that kind of thing. And how has that been, you know, even in just terms of your of your own personal, like, mental health as you've 
work with the people around you to change pronouns. Like, has that been difficult? Has it been easy? Is it something that can be painful? Uh, it's, it's really strange because my, I've had like three totally different experiences depending on the groups of people in my life. Um, mm. With my child, who's now nine, I started using they pronouns when she was six. She has never mispronounced me, ever. She only uses they pronouns. She calls me Appa, which we decided together felt like a, a neutral parent term instead of mommy or dad or whatever. Um, and then my partner is 12 years younger than me, so she's a millennial, and she's like pretty standard millennial. She's 28. When we met, she was, uh, I guess, 25. And her whole entire group of friends has no problem with they, them pronouns. Hmm. They, you know, when they met me, they were surprised that I wasn't using they, them pronouns. And then there's my group of friends and my family who just cannot get it. There's a couple that are okay with it, but the rest of them mess up all the time still. And I were three years into this, you know, and even people who see me every day still mess it up. And you do, it does seem almost generational. It really, it's like distinctly is. Okay. So the younger, obviously the more open they are. But I can see that though. I mean, I can see that because my kids understand, you know, they, them pronouns at their ages, you know, at nine, 11 and 13. I don't think I learned that concept until I was in my late thirties. Yeah. So I can see. Right. Um, Me too. (laughs) Hopefully the younger generation is going to be a little more adept at this. I think that's absolutely true. But the, the big argument that I hear all the time is that it's too hard. And it's like, well, that doesn't work because my kid, when she was six years old, had no problem with it at all. Right. 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 You know, That's, yeah. I mean, so, so it can't be hard. That doesn't work. And I also try to think about the other things that change and evolve in our lives. Like mm-hmm. you might've had a friend, your neighbor named Tommy, when you were a little kid, now he goes by Tom. Yes. You call him right. Tom. Yes. You know, yeah. like you, switch that you change it my kid has friends that have gone by nicknames in kindergarten and have changed their minds by fourth grade and they all adapt we all adapt to all kinds of stuff we listen to different music we wore different clothes 20 years ago like we've all evolved and changed and we've adjusted ourselves for our friendships and all of that so it's just another one of those things i think the biggest problem here is that we make this transgender concept, like some sort of science fiction novel concept, right? Mm -hmm. That we make it harder than it actually is because what's actually happening is stuff that we deal with in different terms all the time. Yeah. Yeah. But it's just kind of othered, would you say, is the crux of the issue? It's not seen as, as, you know, parallel to so many other processes or identities that we're comfortable with. Right. And in the original language before the millennials showed up was that it was, you know, you're born in the wrong body, right? That is science fiction, you know? And then the millennials came along and they're like, oh, that, that's not okay. We can't say that kind of thing. And now the, the more approved language would be like gender assigned at birth, which mm-hmm. is 
something that actually we all share. So I wanted to talk about, you know, self-care as a trans person. And I, I think there's so many facets of that that we could explore. Um, but you have talked a little bit about just going out into the world. And I, I mean, this one seems sort of like low hanging fruit, but I would just think even the bathroom issue would probably be an aspect of self-care that becomes difficult. Yeah, the bathroom issue is a really interesting one because when it comes up um, politically, it's always some picture of someone who looks totally 100% like a man. And, you know, everyone on Facebook is like, oh, do you want this guy in the women's bathroom? Mm -hmm. Like, obviously, we need to support trans issues because obviously this guy is a man, right? And then everyone says, yeah, of course, of course. But then, it, like, it totally leaves out the fact that there's a lot of privilege for that person to even get to that point, you know? There's lots of people that don't have access to hormones, that don't have access to the whole transition, or people like me who don't actually transition because I'm just, mm -hmm. I'm neither gender. So then, right. like, for me, I've been on hormones for over a year, so I can, I still use the women's bathroom, but I don't identify as female, and everyone looks at me like I don't belong, but I have this, like, you know, patchy teenager beard, so I don't belong necessarily in the men's bathroom either, and I don't want to be in there because men are grow, <laughs> and, and I'm not a man. Let's be honest. <laughs> let's, let's just jump right to it. <laughs> and, like, you know, if I go in a women's bathroom and I'm not supposed to be there, some woman's going to give me a dirty look. If I go in a men's bathroom, I could get beat up. Like, yeah, that's the, that's really the reality of, of right. that. And that's super stressful. I heard one time that, you know, the... um I think it was talking about race, actually, the context of what I heard. But it was more like the the bad things don't always happen, but the anxiety and the stress that mm -hmm. it could happen at any point that you carry yeah. with you actually yep. makes it. So, like, yes, I don't get beat up every time I go to the bathroom, but mm -hmm. I could. And you still <laughs> feel those feelings, that. those emotions. And I Right. And I know that I could get beat up. So then I act as if I'm going to Ugh. be. And it feels like that for me yeah. every single time. And that's the trauma of it. It's not yeah. the statistics of how many trans people actually get beat up in bathrooms. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. At any point, I have no idea who I'm going to be in the bathroom with and what's going to happen to me. What do you have to do internally, mentally, emotionally to work through what seems to be these daily occurrences? I mean, there's a lot of stuff that has changed and, you know, so like I don't have to buy my underwear at a store anymore. I can do a subscription box to mm -hmm. boxes so that they show up at my house and no one has to see me checking out, right? Um, or buying shaving cream and stuff like that. I can get a birch box. So there's like a lot of really cool self-care ways that I can take care of myself by just spending a little bit of money on all the different subscription boxes and I have like three of those because they're super helpful. Um, and then with bathrooms, I mean, I mostly just go to the same restaurants over and over again um, in the city that I'm in, or I assess the situation before I go. Mm -hmm. Or I like lots of trans people say this too, that we just don't go to the bathroom in public. Mm, yeah. 
Like at conferences, I would go up to my room, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And just avoid, like my self-care is avoided in a lot of ways. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. But that sounds like self-preservation too. Yeah. Right. So one of the things I wanted to talk with you about too is you you mentioned that you've been on hormones and and you've written some really funny things just about the the experience of, you know, shaving your face for the first time or learning to deal with all that kind of stuff. So what, you know, I mean to to talk in a in a bit more frivolous way around self-care. You know, what has been some of your learnings? Um the way that like I, the gender binary has really been opened wide up to me, you know, being like socialized as female and failing miserably. And then sort of transitioning to be on testosterone and being sweaty and gross and having, you know, (laughs) three years ago, if I had four pieces of hair on my upper lip, I'd be in a panic, right? Like I got, I have to do something about this. I have to get rid of it. What do I do? Now I'm like, literally in my car with a mirror because the light is better to see how many new hairs I've got on my mm-hmm. chin because I'm so proud of it. <laughs> it's like, so wait, what is happening? <laughs> um, and the way that, like, so being on testosterone, I'm basically going through, like, teenage boy puberty at age 40. Um, that so sounds delightful. I'm, oh, my gosh. Oh, <laughs> so fun. Oh. <laughs> um, But one of the things is obviously that I'm getting pimples and, you know, the way that I see you all talk about it is like, oh, what, what kind of oil do I put in witch hazel on these special little pads and this special kind of water made out of flowers, you know, and then what actually makes mine go away is putting shaving cream on my face and shaving my face with a sharp razor right on over the nasty pimple. And then it's gone the next day. What? So. Interesting. <laughs> I will do that. <laughs> right? Sign me up. So that's, that's really what you need is, uh, I think it's Neutrogena Sensitive Skin Shaving Cream. All right. I'm, I'm writing this down furiously. <laughs> well, I actually, we, we do a, a two thumbs up in every episode where Sarah and I recommend two products or things, books, what have you that we love. You need to give us a trans two thumbs up. What are two of your favorite products that you really love? Um, Spreza Box is my favorite. It's a, no one knows about it. And I tell everyone, people probably think I work for them. Um, it's, it's a company from New York and every month they send a tie, a tie clip, a pair of socks and uh, like a wallet or a, shaving cream or a lotion or something like that and it's you know it's for it's a a box for men I guess but I love it because I I find it like very gender affirming you know and I can't really go to a store and pick out a tie and all of that without it being this big fiasco plus I don't really know where to go nobody tells you where to buy ties right you know you guys all talk about all the products you use but no one else, men don't do that. So, uh, I don't, I have no idea where to get anything and I don't really belong in those spaces anyway. So, Spreza Box is totally my favorite and it's a little bit more expensive than I should be spending on it. I don't even wear the ties all the time, but it's 
really nice when I have to get dressed up and put a suit on. I have all these ties to choose from. So that I like that a lot. Um, and I love Birchbox for men. It's great. Oh, they do a Birchbox for men. Yeah. I didn't even know awesome. that. Oh. And then I try out all the different products and see what I like and just like Birchbox for women. And then you order the full size of it. So that's been great. And Kristen, I think I've even recommended soap for your teen boys. Indeed you have. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you have. Yes. I can't remember what it was, but I remember I bought it. <laughs> awesome. I think I might need to get Spretzel Box for them too. That actually sounds kind of fun. It's very fancy. So if they're into fancy stuff, that will be good. All right. I have to ask one other um, somewhat frivolous question, but I, I, I have to ask this of you because you are one of the most stylish people I know. You, and it's, it's all unique, all your own. How do you feel like your style has changed in the last five years as you, you know, came out as trans? Did that change your personal style? Did it empower your personal style? Um, I think it has like empowered me a little bit. I feel a little bit more confident in mm-hmm. the, especially in dressing in nicer clothes. I never felt comfortable dressing up before, uh, even though I wanted to, it was kind of, you know, everyone would show up in an evening gown and I'd be wearing jeans and an untucked button down and Converse high top. And I feel like I've been given a little bit more permission to embrace like masculine style a little bit more. Uh, I still am not going to wear a suit and a tie necessarily, but I'll, don't worry. I still wear my Converse high tops every single day, but now <laughs> I wear, you know, a lot of black, a lot of gray. And which is Mm -hmm. funny because my kid says that I dress neutral because I am neutral. (laughs) That's funny. (laughs) That's good. Um, What are a couple things that you wish people understood about being trans? You know, if you, if you could bend their ear and and really get people to understand something more. Um, I think two things. Number one, I talk about this a lot. It's just that, Self-harm rates and suicide rates for trans kids are higher than any other group of kids. And I think that people get stuck in this, like, oh, it's identity politics, and I don't know what I think about that. And actually, we don't really have the opportunity to to talk like that when we have school-age children who have friends that are going to come out as trans. And if Mm -hmm. you want to be that safe home with the pool and the cool snacks, you also have yep. to be the the one parent that understands pronouns and changing your name and, you know, um, because the kids, those same kids, the rates go down almost to normal levels, which are too high as well. But when they have an affirming group of people around them, whether that be their family, their friends, um, teachers and that kind of thing. So I think that it's really important, especially as parents, that we have to just drop the narrative of it's not grammatically correct or it's too confusing or it's mm-hmm. too hard and mm-hmm. just really like take good care of kids because yeah. they really, they need us, especially when I'm reporting back right now that, you know, my generation is not getting it and the generation below us is getting it really well. Um, the other thing is that this isn't going anywhere, you know, um, mm-hmm. 
that if right now you can like catch up on trans language or just understanding or acceptance and be a little bit ahead. But if you don't catch up now, you're going to be way behind. And yeah. people who go to a yeah. corporate office every day might have a boss who uses they, them pronouns. You'll get fired yeah. if you don't get their okay. pronouns right. Mm-hmm. You know, totally. and, and that's coming next, you know, especially as these millennials grow up, right? Um, so I, I think like we're at a turning point right now where we have this opportunity to get ahead of it and do really well and in turn, take really good care of kids and just the marginalized trans population in general, especially trans people of color are in trouble and we have an opportunity to take really good care of them. That's really good. Speaking of that, you know, for cisgendered people like Sarah and I who want to be an ally, what's the best way that we can do that? What are, what are the best steps we can take to be a good ally? Um, I think it's important to just like, be willing to talk about trans issues if it comes up or mm-hmm. if you, if you hear about something, just like start the conversation, talk to your kids, talk to your friends, like even bring up, Hey, I was talking to my friend the other day and they are using different pronouns and, and share your experience of, wow, I really screwed that up and now I'm going to get better at it. You know, like be willing to start those conversations or have books in your book clubs that have, um, different characters with trans issues or gender issues in general. And the other thing is to use, I like to use they, them pronouns for everyone unless I know them personally. Okay. I I think it's a good way to practice, you know, because it's just a little different and tricky, but also it gives everyone a lot of room to just be who exactly who they are without any kind of, confines of gender norms or um, expectations. I remember being a little kid and saying, I'm so glad this is before, you know, transgender was even a word that I understood. Right. But I'm, I'm so glad my name's Casey. I get to be anything I want. I don't have to be a boy or a girl. And, you know, I still didn't come out until I was 37 years old, but I understood that because my name was neutral, I just had a lot of room. The world gave me more room than the world gave other people. And I recognize that from the beginning. And I think we have an opportunity to give everyone that kind of room too. People need to be willing to mess up. You know, I kind of think of it along the lines of if someone is in a different country, they don't know the language, so they don't say anything. They won't even try because for fear of doing it wrong, I think you have to just be willing to make a mistake and realize, okay, I'm learning from that. It's the only way it's going to happen. I kind of see how that might be an issue with older generations. So you just really need to be willing to mess up once in a while. Definitely. My mom, I came out to my mom as trans three years ago. She asked me a month ago what non-binary means because she has no idea. Yeah. And I mean, I'm like, why didn't you ask me three years ago? (laughs) Right, right. (laughs) You know, and then I explained it to her and she said, I don't even know what that means at all. I don't even know what a binary system is. Right. Right. And I was like, oh, okay. We need to like peel this way back. So, you know, we live in a system in which everything is either or. And that's the binary system. And so... I live, you know, outside, my gender identity is outside that either or where I am both and neither. 
And she's like, oh, that makes so much sense. Yeah, you were never a girl. You know what I mean? Right. And so she totally got it. And here I was thinking that she hated me or she thought, I mean, I never, I talk to my mom every day. She doesn't hate me. Uh, she, she thinks I'm really annoying, but she doesn't hate me. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I, I thought that she was just like very anti-trans or scared of the conversation. And it was really just she didn't understand. Right. And so I think we need to give people the opportunity to ask questions or even explain it before they have the chance to ask it and not get caught up in all the right words necessarily. You know, if if you trip a little and say the wrong thing, right. it doesn't matter. The, the idea is there. And it, it's the same as talking about race as white people, you know, it is. like, mm-hmm. what are we never, are we never going to talk about it? We're never going to talk about racism because we're going to say something wrong or come from a place of privilege. Well, that didn't get us very far you know, through the 80s being colorblind, right? Like that messed us up work. So that is really similar to that. Yeah. And I think similarly to that race conversation too, I do think that, you know, there is some responsibility for people in the majority culture of whatever we're talking about to do some of their own education. So they're not putting that burden on, you know, so that I'm not coming to you with every single question I have about, you know, LGBTQ or trans issues, because if right. all of your friends did that, that's all you would ever get to talk about, which might, you know, you, right. Right. You, you I totally agree with that. About but at, parenting. at the ahead. same time right now, like I am probably one of the only non-binary people that a lot of my friends know. And there's not all that much information online that they, they don't really even know where to start. And so me personally, I'm, I'm thrilled to get, you know, 12 Instagram messages a day saying some kid in my son's third grade class just came out of trans and I don't know what to do. Mm. Like, thank you for asking me because I really want to help you help that kid. And I, I definitely don't want other people to put that on every trans person, but personally, I'm thrilled when people come to me. Just because I, I would love, I'm an outgoing part. Obviously my whole life is on the internet anyway. <laughs> so I'm fine with being that starting point for sure. For listeners who, you know, don't have that trans friend, but they really, you know, they're, they're earnest and wanting to learn more. Are there good books that you recommend? Sure. I love George by Al Gino. Yeah. Um, totally. so that's the story of a trans girl who. I think she's in like third grade, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's and that just book, a really my daughter read yeah. when she was nine, so it's a- appropriate for younger kids too. Right, and I gave it to my girlfriend's mom for Christmas last year. So I mm. that book is I actually recommend it more to adults than oh. kids because yeah. I think it's a super fast read. It's adorable. It's heartwarming. Mm. It's nice, you know. But it's also so simple that a nine-year-old can understand it. I think it's a great starting point for adults who don't really know what all of this means. Um, And then I love Red, A Crayon Story by Michael Mm -hmm. Hall, which is about a crayon who has a red paper on it, but it's a blue crayon. Uh And so the crayon is getting red wrong. 
And, you know, they're like, come on, Crayon, draw some strawberries. And they're all blue. I say, oh, try it harder next time. And then at the end, you know, the crayon meets another crayon that asks the crayon to draw an ocean. And he says, I can't because I'm red. And she says, well, just try. And then he draws this beautiful blue ocean and it's so beautiful. I, oh my gosh, like maybe I'm blue, you know, and it's really a beautiful story. And I think for adults too, but I, I love that one for kids. I think wow. that's a good one for my kids' school. She goes to a Boston public school, but they have um, that book in every classroom from kindergarten up through fifth grade as mandatory in every class. Just because it's a great story about so even good. anyone, you know, discovering their home, their identity. Any other recommendations? Uh, stop putting the words men and women on every single product mm. and then charging more and for the women. Charging version. more for the women, the pink packs. Yeah. All right. That'd be nice. Uh, let's get rid of those buttons in an airport where they push whether you're a boy or a girl when you walk through airport security. Do you guys know about that? No. No. What? So next next time you walk through the security, you turn around and you'll see there are two buttons, one of a person in a dress and one of a person in oh, a suit, I guess. And they, when that. you approach, they push the button oh. and then it determines how you're scanned. So when they push the button for me, no matter what, it comes out wrong. So I get a full invasive pat down every single time. You are kidding me. Because, nope. Like to the point where I've been like hysterical sobbing. And then they (sighs) say, do you want to go in a private room? But you can't because trans people don't have protected rights in various states. So I can't go in a private room because I don't know what will happen. So it all has to be done in public. But I wear boxers, men's boxers, and a chest binder, so I set it off no matter what, every mm. single time. Wow. So we could get rid of those. That's a recommendation. Yeah. Let's get rid That's, of that. That is a recommendation. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we affirmed that recommendation. <laughs> I, I was talking to one of my friends at some big women's conference, and she said, let's get Fruit of the Loom to sponsor the conference. And give every single woman here a pair of boxers to wear home when they get on the airplane. And then it will just totally destroy the whole system because everybody <laughs> will get pulled out. <laughs> and, and then they won't be able to do it anymore. So yeah. that was a good one. <laughs> I actually love that. I like the idea of the boxer revolution. <laughs> right. The boxer underwear revolution. For, totally. Yeah. <laughs> Well, Casey, thank you so much for talking with us and talking, you know, with just so much candor and honesty. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. I I listened to your podcast for the first time today, and I really liked it. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, Casey. Thanks for joining us. Continue the selfie conversation with us on Instagram at, at selfie podcast and on Facebook at facebook.com backslash selfie podcast. You can also visit our website to check out the resources we've talked about in each episode at selfiepodcast.com. Make sure to subscribe to Selfie on iTunes so that you can catch up with us next week. A huge thanks to Shepherd Audio for our intro music. Take care. Take care.